Hey everybody, this is, welcome to ABU Dynamite After Dark. This is Zanman Shinsabunya, along with my good buddy, the Honorable Jeff. And Jeff, I think once again Hello. this week, AEW nailed their formula. I was going to say that too. This was a great episode considering um, storylines move forward. We had um, some really good TV matches, and I know you hate that with the TV versus regular matches, but in all reality, there are some limitations with TV, and they had some really good TV matches. They did. I, I enjoyed all the matches. On the I was really show, impressed. I think. Yeah, and I, I, I'm, I'm the same. I was really impressed with this week's episode. I thought it was uh, really well done. I like. I'm really starting to like the um, WCW vibe that we're getting with the beatdown at the end of the night, and everything about it is just really well done. It, it really is, and you know, I, I loved, um, I loved the exchange at the end again between Matt and and Hangman before they got their before they got slammed with the chair by Jericho. Um, you know, the receipt from last week. Um, I loved at the beginning when Hangman said there's no way, you know, there, that uh, Mad Jack was the last person he'd ever team with. <laughs> um, I, I'm loving it with Hangman. I, right now. Is, it just, is it just me or does this kind of scream smokescreen? Like, are we setting up for these two being together all along and doing it to mess with the inner circle to think they're not together? It's just with the just came into it not too just like a couple weeks ago. And and well, to be honest, the booking has been a little off kilter with some of their decisions. So it it wouldn't surprise me to see a swerve like that. I would hope it's not. I hope this is leading to towards a um, uh, Page and Omega versus Bucks feud with the Bucks turning heel, but it would not surprise me to at um, blood and guts to see these two working cohesively and showing how long they were really together. And they, this was all smokescreen. Speaking of turning heel, AEW has got to have the most sophisticated in crowd audience I've ever experienced. Right. <laughs> now, now let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, you you know how much I how how you know you know the reasons why I despise Sean Spears, and it really has nothing to do with him right. his ability as a wrestler. It has to do with that fucking ten count. And when I went to All Out, you know he came he came out there for his match with Cody, and the crowd did that stupid ten chant with when the referee was doing the count out, but that was the only time they did it the entire night in the count. And it's the only time I've ever seen it done in AEW is when Sean Spears is out there. Whereas in WWE or NXT, it happened every single time one of those things happened. It was like the crowd couldn't get enough of it. And in the triple, the uh, six-man tag between Death Triangle and, um, shoot, who the hell were they against now? Again, I'm drawing a blank. Private um, Party and Joey Janela. Right, Private Party and, and the Bad Boy, that's right. Um, you know, there was that one spot where you know how much I hate it. Um, Pentagon decided to do, the, you know, he looked to the crowd before the um, before the package pile driver double stomp combination, 
and he did his stupid Sierra Mieto thing, and the crowd opted for it. But then, as soon as they had, as soon as and after the match, they were destroying the three baby faces, and the crowd was all up booing them. And a similar thing happens with Chris Jericho when he comes out there. The crowd is singing along with um, Judas, and I think a lot of it is just, it's simply you know the the crowd is it's kind of like a uh, a moment where the crowd is kind of gelling because they're all doing the same thing at the same time and they're they're applauding each other. But then you know they're they're all in on booing Chris Jericho in the inner circle. So such a sophisticated um, viewpoint I think from the audience out there. It, it's one thing that has made AEW probably one of the better promotions is how intelligent the fans are. They seem to... I don't want to say they fall in line because they don't really... like The way that with the uh, Sierra Mato uh, chant and everything, they should be cheering Pentagon, but yet they boo him at the appropriate they cheer goes for his crowd popping moments they cheer phoenix when he goes for his crowd popping moments but ultimately booing them as the heels they are it's a very intelligent crowd it really is which I, is I, one I, thing I which is you know, just, you, know the, <clears throat> you know one of one of the most sophisticated things you can do is if you love a heel boo him instead of cheer him you know Right, and it it to me a lot of times it feels like they're you know they're popping for their moments because that's the moment, but ultimately they know this guy's a bad guy. They know this guy's a heel, so they're going to boo him. It, it's kind of the same thing with Adam Page. The crowd is so into Page that they're chanting along with everything he does. They're you know they're cheering their. Um, Literally everything he does, but they still buy into Matt Jackson, Adam Page storyline and boo at the appropriate moments. It, it's I've been impressed with the crowd and how they've handled themselves throughout basically the last, I, I'd say, four or five weeks. They really do cheer at the appropriate moments, and it's something nice to see. It, it happened with the B Priestley. You know, B Priestley was booed throughout her match, but the second she turned on, on, um, Nyla Rose, she was cheered. Right. It, it's a really smart crowd, and they really do lend a lot to the product, which is is refreshing. They're not just buying into whatever they're supposed to buy into. They kind of uh, move with the ebb and flows of the show. I totally agree, and, and and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to be a part of, you know, to um, take part in, and then, but then also just to see, kind of watch from a distance and go, you know, these guys are doing what they should be doing. You know, and I, and I think a part of that is that is that AEW really does get people over organically, and they don't try to shove, you know, down throats that, that shouldn't be. I mean, I mean, they we talked about the librarian stuff a little bit last night, and um, they know it isn't working, so they you know they'll, they'll still come out there, but it's not like they're they're making it a focal point like they did for the first couple of shows. Well, and they, I mean, they made it a focal point, and I'm not sure if they were doing it as a joke, or if they were doing it just to. Um, you know, see if something would stick, but they, I mean, they made a big deal of it on being the elites and all the road to shows and brought out the librarians, introduced them and so on. But when they saw it wasn't working, they just kind of like, okay, you guys are now jobbers. Uh, it's just the way it's going to be. It, it, it feels to me and 
as I was watching this show, we talked about it last night, is there's a big late 90s, mid to late 90s WCW feel to this show. And it's not because of Tony Schiavone. It's because they are following a formula that worked, that got the most amount of fans invested in programming. They got they're they're telling real storylines. They're um, keeping their wrestlers. I I don't want to say real again, but they're keeping their wrestlers um, genuine to the audiences. They're telling story the way it should be told they're not jumping around skipping around and, and moving things on time and they're giving us decent matches at, at the same time so it really does have a 96 97 maybe early 98 ucw feel to it i really enjoy what they're doing it's it's one thing that i'm looking forward to every single week is to watch this show You know, there's been a couple weeks that we didn't care for it too much, but we've always been entertained by it. And I, and I think that, you know, I, th- I really think they've been finding their group for the last, you know, four or five weeks. And, and it, they just have that formula just nailed down right now. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. It was so good. And, um, you know, I, I, you know the, the, I, guess, I guess, you know, the one thing that I, that I looked at is, you know, Jim Ross has been saying for two weeks, you know, you guys are really going to love the rules for war, for uh, not war games, for blood and guts. But it's, you know, it, it really is war games. They just can't call it that. Um, and and right. I love how they're calling it blood and guts because that's you know Vince McMahon said that you know all TNT was going to get on that show was blood and guts, and and so it's kind of a subversion of of a criticism by you know a guy who's been bastardizing wrestling for the last how many years, um, how many decades for that for that matter. Um, but you know. I, I, I'm not really sure I like the two-minute thing. I mean, I know I know you said it's pro, you know you're you know you got to couch TV matches versus pay-per-view matches, but two minutes is just not a lot of time for any team to have an advantage. Well, that's the original War Games uh, stipulation was you get five minutes for the first round and then two minutes after that. Okay, so I, I guess I and then it just it, and then minutes. So yeah, that so that's the case then. Yeah. yeah. Because the, fir- the first two guys will get five minutes. And then um, it, after that first five minutes is up, then it, it's alternating every two minutes until everybody's in it. And then the match actually starts. And the only way to- I, I'm really happy they went to the, um, you know, no pinfall stipulation. It has to be a submission. It has to be a, a referee stoppage. There is no, I, I think. Yeah, and I I really wish they had gone to it's um you know the the submission only. You you have to make your team give up the way that WCW did it in the early 90s. But I'm I'm okay with the referee stoppage portion too. Just cuz we're, you know, 20 years after and it's not, you know, people aren't giving up to um basic holds anymore like they used to. And by basic holds, basic holds, I mean, you know, the figure four. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm not, I don't care that Ortiz gave up to the figure four. What I care about is he he didn't didn't even, like, struggle out of it. He didn't try to get to the ropes. He didn't try to turn it over. It was like, oh, no, I'm in the figure four. I must be trapped in the middle of the ring. It's just, that's the kind of thing I need the figure four. You have no clue how much I was giggling tonight when I text you that. (laughs) 
about how you know, hey, they finally submitted to a figure four. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting over here giggling because I knew that was a pressure point for you. <laughs> But yeah, they yeah. tap to the figure four. You know, I, I, I mean, the, the tap out has its has its time, but it, but when it's the figure four or the sharpshooter, that just really bugs me. Because they are, it's you've got evolution of moves. Um, you've got moves that used to be end of matches that are now transitional moves. Um, it started with like the DDT. That was that was a definitive end to the match in the eighties. By the 90s, that was a transition move. Now it's a Canadian Destroyer. Everybody does a Canadian Destroyer. It doesn't end a match anymore. And to see somebody tap out to a basic move like the figure four, it's just not as believable with the evolution of the athletes, the way they're explaining the evolution of the athletes in the other transitional moves. No, no, no. So it, it, nobody it, should ever tap out to the figure four. They should verbally submit. You think so? Tapping out to the figure four looks so looks so goddamn ridiculous to me, and I and I realize that tapping I realize out in any move I, looks ridiculous. I, I I just I, you know, be, be, it's just because you know the stuff I grew up on, you know that you know when I see someone tap out to the figure four, or I see someone tap out to the sharpshooter, it just makes me want to cringe. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't see it that way, but yeah, you don't have to. We're, we're allowed Look, to have different opinions. So. Not. Uh, we never have four. Why are we starting <laughs> now? <laughs> sure, we haven't. I really enjoyed the team of Dustin Rose and Hangman Page tonight. I did too, and I love the way that they called the history into it by saying, you know, last these two have this is not their first time taking together. Last time they did, they lost to Guevara and, and Jericho. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, that's one thing that. I have been enjoying about AEW is they've not let history go where, you know, one of my biggest complaints about WWE at the bar and about, you know, two years later about how these guys are best friends who formed a tag team. No, they were forced to be a tag team because they couldn't settle their best of seven series. And um, so they were kind of pushed into it. They hated each other, but you know, two years later, they're best friends. Yeah, and I love the fact that uh, AEW has not done that. They've really stuck with, with what's happened in the past is still you know relevant. And granted, maybe that's only because it's been six months that they've been in existence, but the reality is they've really stuck with storylines and in the way that people have at, um, have acted together. Right, and and you know, I, I had totally forgotten they te- they teamed up before, but you know, when they said it, I you know I was reminded of it, of course, and it was great for them to call back to something that you know, because I mean, it was just an obscure kind of you know one-off match that they had against that they had when they teamed before against the um, against the Inner Circle. So um, there was that spot like the right, of the match so it wasn't going to be something that you'd remember. Yeah, there there was like there was that spot kind of at the beginning of the match that kind of made me shake my head when Excalibur's like. Oh, Hangman Page made the reluctant tag to Dustin. Meanwhile, right before that, Hangman had said to Dustin, "You want to get in here, and kick his ass? Okay, I'll tag you." you know, it's like how reluctant was could that right. possibly? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. That, that one kind of jumped out at me too. It was, it was like, okay, 
Well, and they, I mean, before that, before that tag too, they were, they were talking about how, you know, trusting Dustin, you know, even though they didn't talk beforehand, they're still uh, getting along well as tag team partners and the cohesion and all that stuff. And then he pulled that reluctant tag thing. And I was like, wait a minute, that's exactly opposite of everything you guys have said up until now. Yeah. The only, the only person in the history of AEW that, Adam Page has ever reluctantly tagged was um, is Matt Jackson. Matt Jackson. And didn't he refuse to tag Matt? I did. I, that was another thing. Starting starting the way they did is not something I've seen before, or in I, by before I mean within the last twenty years was starting with a. Um, interview that happened earlier on in the night or, or earlier on the day with Adam Page. I thought that was kind of a unique little twist and another way to call back to the mid to late 90s with the way they're doing things. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, do you think that, you know, what we talked about last night about, you know, how one of the members of the elite has to be left out of this because it's five on five. Do you think it's going to be Kenny because of his broken hand? No, I think it's going to be Cody. Okay. It, it and the because, more because I thought about it, because last night we talked about. Well, yeah, and they, um, it's just the way the way, and you brought it up last night. The way the storylines are going is that Cody's going to have his one-on-one with uh, Lance Archer. I can't see that building for another th- two and a half, three months. That's going to have some payoff here soon. I'm, that was kind of cool to see the, to see the, the um, murder hawk there tonight. American Psycho, whatever you want to call him. You know, Lance yeah, Archer, it was. There with, uh, with Jake and then, you know, for any and they really, times and, you know, it, you know, it's, it's always great when you can build suspense between two performers without them ever touching each other. Well, and they did a good job of getting him over too. Uh, I, you know, whatever we think of Jim Ross, he and Shivani did a really good job of talking up um, Lance Archer to make him a lot bigger deal because American audiences aren't really familiar. He's been out of America for, what, 10 years, 10, 12 years? So the fact that they were able to talk him up the way that they did really brings a lot of credence to him and what he can do. I've had very little complaint about Jim Ross over the last month or so. You know, it, it, it he's been like, he. It, it feels like ever since they did the Chelsea Baker thing, where where she criticized him for for uh, getting everybody's names wrong, he's he's maybe messed up like one time since then. And you know, the only thing, well, the only thing that still bothers me is when he calls Jungle Boy Jungle Boy Jim, or I mean Jungle Boy uh, Jack. See the. I think that's so dumb. But the I and I was going to mention that too. I'm actually really enjoyed Britt Baker's promo tonight. I felt like she might have finally hit her stride. I, I that um, spot with her and uh, Swole, where she was like, "The only reason you're popular is because of your boyfriend," and and she had mentioned, "No, it's you know." It was like, they kind of called back not only Cedric uh, Cedric Alexander because of the she he's married to Big Swole, but they um, brought up the Adam Cole thing too. I I felt like that was a unique touch that I wouldn't have expected. Yeah, I had no idea Cedric Alexander was married, was married to Big Swole. I had to look it up after they mentioned 
kill her boyfriend. Right. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. It's the first thing I did was Google it to find out who she's married to. But um, for insiders, that's kind of that little tug. And you look at the fact that Adam Cole is, you know, Britt Baker's boyfriend. And then uh, Cedric is Big Swole's uh, husband. It just, it it laid a little more credence to that promo. Yeah, and I, I really Baker. enjoyed Britt Green or Chelsea Baker. I'm not sure which one you're talking about. Both. Okay. I, I I'll be honest. I actually enjoyed I actually enjoyed her promo tonight. I loved her uh, the way that she worked the crowd. I loved the way that she interacted with Tony. I, I and the when she went to hide behind Tony, I thought that was a great moment. I I just really liked her promo tonight. No, I did too. Which I is odd it. because I've hated every one of them. Several promos actually. Ever since she did the commentary. When she brought Tony out the the coffee, it's I've really liked uh, the way that they're portraying her, and I thought it was stupid the way that she, you know, was turning heel on the announcers and not the other wrestlers. So the fact that she was able to turn even me was was a strong moment. And it's funny that that Tony Schiavone said like how many you know forty year veteran in pro wrestling and she doesn't know how to spell his name. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of good moments. A lot of good moments in that, not just that promo. And even Big Swole, I mean, as much as I can't stand her gimmick, I felt like she kind of nailed her promo tonight, too. Yeah, definitely. I don't think I had a negative tonight, to be honest with you. The whole two hours was strong was strong it flew by um and you know that, that's the other thing with dynamite is it flies by you know i i you know i i have to get the, you know our our uh, program set up to go before you know before we go live and I, i'm always like wait it's 8 45 i need to get down there and get that ready to go <laughs> yeah i'm i'm the same way tonight it was 8 30 and i'm like okay i gotta i gotta boot up my computer i gotta get everything going because and it was it was shocking that it was already eight thirty. I'm like, there's no way it's been an hour and a half of this. But every match had had its moments, and even the uh, Lucha Express versus MJF and, and Butcher and Blade, there there was a lot of fun moments in that. I felt like uh, you know the right guys won it, and um, they beat the right guy too because you know Lucha Luchasaurus. Even though he's been on the losing end, he, has he been pinned yet? Not that I recall. I there's not. I don't. I don't feel like he's been pinned at all. I feel like it's Marco Stunt that's taken the brunt of, you know, the losses. But that's explainable. And the way that MJF pulled it off tonight, and just his his actions with the bee stings and all that stuff. I I just that was a really well done match. I love the tag match, the women's tag match. I love that last match. I love the opening match. Literally everything about this night, about tonight, I loved. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny that we that we, you know we we've talked often about how they have kind of a formula where they have like a couple of tag matches a week, and tonight was pretty much all tag matches, really. Yeah, with the exception of that opening match, it was all tags. Right. It was either either a six man or a regular tag match. So, you know, they're even throwing, they're, they're starting to throw wrinkles in it too. The other thing that I, negative, I guess, come, I guess from tonight and, and, and this isn't even really a negative. It's just the kind of the way I felt at the moment was 
oh, Joey Janela, yay. But but during the match, he was great. So, you know, it's, it's really... Yeah, he uh, was. And, it was a lot of fun. And I, I, I really like the way they did the two swerves by keeping Dark Order Revelant in a Christopher Daniels promo and keeping Darby Allen Revelant in a um, Chris Jericho promo. I liked wait, wait, both what, those. What are you saying? Revelant? Relevant, you mean? Rele- relevant, yeah. Did I say Revelant? <laughs> you did twice. <laughs> I need I need sleep. <laughs> Relevant is what I meant. <laughs> it's like you're it's like you're reading off a script and you're scripting your dyslexic or something. <laughs> <laughs> Not far off. Um No, but the fact that they kept, you know, those two guys relevant without actually showing them on screen. I thought was really well done too. I love the Chris Daniels promo. I love the mockery of the Darby Allen promos by Jericho and Guevara. It, it was both those were a lot of fun. So, with the uh, here's a, here's something that confused me now since you brought up the Dark Order thing. So Christopher Daniels in his promo said, you know, I want a, I want a singles match against both uh, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, right? And I'm going to beat right. them both, and then when the, then when the exalted one doesn't come out and save you, then we'll prove that then I'll prove that the exalted one doesn't even, doesn't actually exist. And then, but like, yet the exalted later, one's going to show up next week. Is going to be debuting on next week's show. Yeah, that kind of caught me too. Maybe there's going to be two singles matches. Maybe it's a gauntlet match. I I, I don't know. I was wondering about two. I mean, they're going to have them both on next week's show, and maybe they will, and that'll be a lot of fun. You know, I, I always enjoy Christopher Daniels. So. Hey, yeah, I, I caught that too, and I was like, okay, did you guys not remember the promo that was just cut? Uh, it's not on the same state, on the same page with CD. What's going on here? But I, I guess we'll have to wait till next week to find out. But yeah, I did catch that too. Okay, yeah. So that, so that was confusing to you too, as well as me. So it wasn't just me. Okay, yeah. that's good. Um, no, I'm confused. Yeah, you know, another great show, I think, and, and we're building and building towards Blood and Guts, which is great. Yeah, and, and that's going to be an... Uh, I like the way that they're doing it, too. They're kind of pulling the Ring of Honor type, um, or actually more the Impact type programming, where they're doing the pay-per-view every few months, but they'll throw a special in there kind of every month, month and a half. So it, it, it's nice. It, it works well for the fans that can't afford the $50 until they get a streaming service. You really can't do it like Ring of Honor or WWE does it with the monthly pay-per-views. So go ahead and do it this way and keep all your fans happy because they get a big show here without having to pay $50 coming up. Yeah, and, there, and they've already had lots of World, ta- World Heavyweight Championship matches on They've, all three of their titles have been defeated, defended at least twice on, on television, which is, which is amazing. Yeah, they have. Yep. They have, and that's, and that's back to the WCW. And, and I, I hate to keep bringing it back to WCW, but that is literally the formula they had in the 90s where it's like you, you have to watch the weekly show because you never know what's going to happen. title can change hand at any time. And granted, it hasn't yet on free – well, I guess on the cruise that was considered free TV, wasn't it? Why wouldn't it be? Well, it, I, I'm just thinking timelines. That was actually on Dynamite. That wasn't yeah, uh, it was, a special. It was part of the uh, 
okay. Bash of the Beach Dynamite thing. So, you know, no, we've already yeah, so we we've already seen the ta- we've already seen titles change hands on on TV. So you've got to watch every week because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, the women's title change hands on TV, and the tag title change hands on TV. And remember, and remember, we've only we're only on the second champion for each of those belts. Right. And you know, the world title has not changed hands on TV, and it probably won't for quite a while. But that's fine. You know, we you still don't know what's going to happen when you tune in. Right, exactly, and I'm I'm out of words. <laughs> I'm literally out of things to say. I I just I love this episode. I thought it was one of the better ones I've done. Totally agree. I felt like everything. I felt like everything was crisp. I liked the promos. I liked the the mockery of the promos uh, with the dark with the Christopher Daniels and Jericho stuff. I I just everything about this episode I really really liked. Yes, and the, the only other thing I have left to say is that I really love the way that they're elevating the young talent. You know, you know, week week to week, they're you know they're elevating Sammy Guevara, MJF, Hangman Page, Darby Allen, uh, the Lucha Bros, Pack. You know, the, you know, the young guys that are going to going to be big stars for them in the future. And I realize Pack isn't that, isn't that young, but you get my point. Yeah, neither is Pentagon, but Ray Phoenix is. I think he's what four years younger than Pentagon. So, but even still, I mean, these are guys who weren't necessarily household names. That even though you know, Hangman Page is what thirty one, I think. So he's not <laughs> necessarily twenty seven, dude. <laughs> no, he's older than that. He is. He's absolutely wrong, man. Well, it's a possibility. I thought he was in his thirties. I don't yeah. know why I think that, but. He's like a year or two older than uh, Jay White. He's born in 91, so he's 28. You're right. All right, fine. (laughs) I ain't fuck you then. (laughs) (laughs) But still, I mean, still, when you look at uh, MJF and Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen, they're 22, 23. MJF turns 24 this weekend. You know, and he's 28. They they are doing a great job of pushing their young talent. We said that last night too. That that's one of their one of their high spots is that they're really pushing the young guys and making them relevant and building stars for the future. Right. Pentagon is 35, and Ray Phoenix is 29. Just yeah. turned 29. So. So we've got uh, what is Pack? I haven't looked at I haven't looked at Pack yet. I'm still looking. Oh well, that's not what I wanted. I'm guessing he's around 35 too. But let's. He is 33. And that's still not in wrestling years. That's not that old. You know, and Cody's still a young guy too, who, relatively. I mean, granted, he's been a, a veteran for twenty some years, but he started wrestling when he was eighteen. I think he had his WWE contract when he was eighteen. Wait, did you say, did you say Cody? Did you say Cody is a veteran of twenty years? It was twenty or two thousand three or four that he started, wasn't it? Um, or was it later? Was it oh nine? 
he's 34, so he's still, he's 34, so he's still pretty young too. Was it? Oh no! Yeah, I suppose because it was a legacy. Um, the whole legacy thing was two thousand nine ish. If he was a veteran of twenty years, he would have been around during the. Oh six, oh seven. You really do need sleep. Um, he debuted in oh seven, so I wasn't that far off. I was thinking oh two, oh three. But he debuted in oh seven, so he's you know he's been around thirteen years. I guess that's still a whole lot less than 20. You were close. We'll just put, we'll just put it that way. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, guys. Why don't you, why don't you um, let everybody else know, know, let everybody know where you can, where, what other platforms they can hear. They can hear you. Hopefully you're listening to us on either Spreako, Spreaker. Jesus, my God, I need sleep. Spreaker, Lords of Pain Radio, or on YouTube. If you are listening to us on YouTube, go ahead, hit that like button, subscribe button, and ring the notification bell. Um, we do this live twice a week uh, on Tuesdays for Kingdom of Honor, on Wednesdays for Dynamite After Dark, and every other week we do a special live um, breakdown of the TV show. This week uh, coming up is Lock and Key. Actually, I'm sorry, not this week, but next or two weeks from now. Um, also, patreon.com slash kingdom of honor is where you can go to help us out. Uh, go ahead and donate and you get access to not only Patreon exclusive shows, but also our archives and um, use the hashtag DAD and the hashtag KOH to find us on, on Twitter. You can follow me specifically at Reggie Co-op. You can follow him at Zanman LOP. And a programming note is, is next week on Kingdom of Honor, we'll be, t- we'll be covering the two great-looking Ring of Honor shows this weekend. So if you, get a, so if you have a way to watch them, um, I would find a way to watch. The, 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 uh, in case you don't listen to our other show, you know, we touted it last night, but this weekend's anniversary show on Friday night looks amazing. And then the past versus present show on Saturday night looks like a lot of fun. So if you, you know, find a way to watch those and then join us next Tuesday when we cover them on Kingdom of Honor. Also, tomorrow on LOP is Imp's LOP Radio Adventure. On Friday is NWA The Legacy Series. That's all we've got. We try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights. And Jeff saying... Goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye. And good night. Bang. One box combo, please. That's four juicy chicken fingers. We'll start cooking. Garlicky butter Texas toast tastes as good as it's looking. Fresh coleslaw and crispy fries you won't be skipping. And our secret cane sauce you want to keep dipping. Plus, our lemonade or iced tea made fresh today by me. Yo, 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 here's your chicken to go. Wow, that was fast. Raising Cane's chicken fingers. 
One love. <laughs>